In the studio now, or it's it's uh, all right. <laughs> and the studio right now is jumping. There are about 15 students of a class at Lane Tech there with their teacher, teacher in training, Vivian Cadbury. I was thinking Lane Tech. I always think of Lane Tech years ago when I was a kid. Uh, the good baseball teams and primarily a boys' school who go into trades. And we think of Lane Tech today as co-education, but people generally still think of Lane Tech as a blue collar. It is primarily children blue collar people. But something happened in this class, and Vivian Cadbury uh, is here with her students to talk about it. And how do we begin, Vivian? Well, um, this is a junior class, and all the junior classes at Lane, all the junior English classes, read a textbook. It's a survey of English literature. And when I came in to start with the class, we were reading The Canterbury Tales by Chaucer. And we, used to, we started to read that, and they say, hey, what is this stuff? And uh, we read the general prologue, and I thought, all right, a good, a good assignment from that. I got this idea from one of my professors at the University of Illinois. A good way for them to really get into the feeling of Chaucer is to write their own. All mm. right, Chaucer sees this, this guy walking down the street, and he writes his little, you know, his little character sketch. So I told them, all right, go home and write your own character sketch and write it in iambic pentameter. Of course, the class goes, oh, my God, now yeah. what is iambic pentameter? Yeah. And they've been reading it, of course, so they... And it's just a natural way that if you speak English, you naturally speak iambic pentameter, rhyme couplets. I never knew I spoke prose all my <laughs> life, somebody said. Yeah. Right, right. So, and they came up with the most fantastic things. And these are just observations of, of people, yeah. things they've known people in the neighborhood. People they know, people they've yeah. seen around. And they call it, by the way, Cadbury Tales. So after your name is Vivian Cadbury. Yeah. So yeah. it's the Cadbury Tales. Yes, that was their so, idea. Very clever. So I'll ask you later on your thoughts, reflections. Suppose you start. You you be the mistress of ceremonies, and we start. Uh, you MC. Okay. And so who's who's first? Okay. Um, after we put this all together, we as a whole class wrote a little prologue, a general prologue to the whole thing, and uh, we'll have Marisa read the prologue. Marisa. Marisa. Yeah. Marisa who? Oh, come on up, Marisa. Yeah, come on up. And we got tall mics here. Some She's a tall one. Marisa, <laughs> hit yeah. the mic. Hit the, Marisa, a word about yourself. Come closer. Oh, closer? Mic. Yeah. Who, um, Mar what's your full name, Marisa? Marisa Greta Manabat. She's Are you a cheerleader? Cheerleader. Yeah. Ballerina? Take ballet. Are you from Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what, what are you going to read now? Oh, the prologue that the class put together. Okay. All right. The class of 80 tells the tales of room 440, the Lane Tech Jail. Tales by people of all kinds, writing what's within their minds. From flying high to swimming deep, to meeting people on the street. From real life to fantasy, from painful dreams to ecstasy. So here it is, compiled at last, and now we'll tell you of our cast. And so the prologue okay. to the right. Cadbury so the Tales. Okay, and next we'll have Petrina Parker reading her untitled piece about a person she knows, knows very well. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> she was born September 29th, she was told. It was the beginning of autumn and not yet quite cold. She was a good little baby, her mother's pride and joy. Although full of life, she acted kind of coy. She grew to become quite a young lady, wise men say. With her big, pretty smile, she'll brighten your day. 
Though she has few hobbies and crafts to occupy her time, she does fool around a little bit with mine. She doesn't like people that act like they were born in the zoo, so be yourself if you want to have a good opinion of you. She's really quite nice once you get to know her, to really make her head spin just by her mink fur. And to this teacher, whom I consider very smart and not in the least bit dumb, I want you to think hard and guess who I expect an A from. To end the suspense and wonder about who this glorious person may be, I'll end the suspense with a question. Who better to write about than me? Oh, wait, uh, Petrina. So obviously that, that subject is you. Yeah. <laughs> How did it begin? What, tell me about, as we're talking with uh, Miss Cadbury here, and you, when she first approached you to write, what, were your first, what was your first reaction? We can keep this open. Well, I didn't really know who to write about, so I just like, figured, who do I know better than myself? So I write about myself. <laughs> do you know yourself? Mm, pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> December 29th, you're born on the Christmas season. Oh, September, September 29th. Oh, September 29th. <laughs> September. September 29th. In fact, this was due the day of your right. birthday. The day of your birthday. She well, got as, an A, too. Thank you, <laughs> Trina uh, Parker. As we're saying, uh, Vivian Cadbury, teacher in training, that means you're there just uh, pro tem. Right. Yeah. I was there. It's, it's finished now. Yeah. But what is it that led you? What gave you the idea of having them write their own stuff, you know, their own experiences? Well, I think writing is extremely important. I, my whole um, reason, I think, for wanting to teach high school is that when I was in high school, it's such a, a tumultuous time. You know, emotions are just pouring out of you, and writing is, is certainly a good way to just get it all down, get it under control, and find out what you're feeling. And this, this is not, these are not terribly heavy or anything, but just any, any writing yeah. that you do seems to me is organizing yeah. your experience. Go along. So Bob... Bob Casula. No, no, no. No, okay. No. I'm wrong. Who's next? Lisa. Lisa Fowler. Lisa Fowler. Go <coughs> ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mine is entitled The Man. He's tall and slender and built very well. He's got glittering, sparkling bedroom eyes. He's very manly, but sometimes boyish in his ways. He's one that everybody looks up to, ahead of his family in many ways. His pride, his pride is great, but his passion is greater. His fears are few, his love is one. He treats his lady very well. He takes her through experiences no one could ever feel or know. He's very manly and always proves himself so. He's always quiet, cool, and calm. He's rough and tough, but always gentle, too. He has dreams and hopes and a future for himself as well as his lady. He takes care of himself as others. Of, he takes care of others as well as himself. He's ahead of his time, and never does he have just one line. He's honest and loyal and true to the end. From this and more, I can always, I can truly say he'll always be my best friend. Well, Lisa, say, uh, 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 there's somebody you know. Yeah, very well. <laughs> well, what, uh, how do you choose a subject? This is Lisa or Vivian Cadbury, how? how uh, well, the way I went about it was is, um, she asked us to write about a person or something that we know, and the only way I could do it is I picked the person that I know the best, and I wrote about him. Did did, he, did you read it to him? Yeah, I gave him a copy of it, and he oh. really liked it. Well, he liked it, and he should, shouldn't he? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so I'm thinking about Canterbury Tales. You read Canterbury Tales with yeah. Canterbury. So do you see a connection between... Well, the way Chaucer wrote it, the Chaucer, Chaucer was writing about people he saw or people that he knew by 
or people that he could tell by looking at them what kind of person they were like. So I figured I may as well write about somebody that I know or somebody that I know what yeah. what it's all about. So this is basically the idea isn't mm -hmm. it? you work on mm -hmm. something someone you know about. Right. Oh, so along we go with Cadbury Tales. Thank you. Well, Thank you. Okay, next we have Robert Galassini. Get up here. <laughs> Robert Galassini. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why don't you point out the studio is big and it's a walk to them. All right, Bob, Robert. Robert, better. And you have a T-shirt, the open Oregon Stop Pizza. Oregon Stop Pizza featuring the mighty Wurlitzer Theater. <laughs> who, 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 who's your subject, your hero or heroine? Oh, this is just a girl I know. Okay. <laughs> okay. I met a girl, or really she met me. She is a strange one, as you shall see. At times she is childlike, yet before your eyes, she can grow and seem very wise. She is cat-like, yet also cat... That's okay. She is kitten-like, yet also cat-fierce. At times her minds will be all but scarce, although she is usually very smart. She is free and liberated, I don't mind, but she is also old-fashioned and very kind. On my thoughts we both agree, but is she really agreeing with me when I settle with the contrary happily? But how am I to win when I see her soft blue eyes as lovely as can be? To touch her sounds a chill through eye, the reason for this I know not why. But I can guess as to the cause, or look to nature and her unwritten laws. <laughs> a thing around and in the sky above, I believe this thing is simply called love. Well, uh, there's one line you have, at times she's childlike, you said, didn't you? Yes. What do you mean? That's you, you observe her, you watch her, huh? Of course. <laughs> Every little movement. And at times she acts like a little kid. And she'd turn around and she's, she's all of a sudden, she's not a little kid anymore. Well, do you find this uh, true just about everybody? Oh, a lot of people. Uh, that what? That they behave a certain way? Yeah, they're, they're trying to put you on, and all of a sudden you realize, <laughs> hey, that's not really them. <laughs> I do it myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's everyone in here. On that point, uh, Vivian Cadbury, that Bob talked I suppose one of the things you talk about when each one finishes, as Bob has, you discuss it too. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And that maybe it's true of everybody. Bob, uh, thank you. And thank so you. we go to. Okay, Andy Aquino. Andy Aquino. <coughs> this poem, mine is titled "My Friend the Old Man," and I wrote it. It goes something like this: I knew this old man. They called him Gus. I met him one day while waiting for the bus. A funny old soul was this little old man. Always had a cold with a Kleenex in his hand. The day that we met, he started to talk about the big war that made limp his walk, about his wife Anne, who died just last year, and his grandson Bob, who liked to drink beer. We talked and we talked, but only about him, so he got off the same step and then talked again. This kept on going till the bus stopped at school. <coughs> then we wished each farewell that he would stay cool. What a strange man, I thought to myself. He leads a sad life, and it must be hell. I saw him again for the next couple of days, and noise he's grown senile and old in his ways. But I just let it pass, t'was well that I should. Nobody stays young, don't know anyone that could. I never saw him again, I know I never will, because the next day, red and old man was killed. While waiting for the bus, then on his way home, that funny old man who lived all alone. You know, somebody you saw, somebody you knew? Uh, somebody I met, um, coming home from the library. And, um, you know, he started talking, you know, about anything, you know. It's, you know, he seemed kind of lonely, you know, because he was really desperate, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a park, you know, and comes and starts talking to me. 
you know, so I just stayed there, you know, standing out in the cold for about two hours, just talking to this man, you know. And it was really enjoyable, though. You know, I really got a lot from him, you know, from his experience. He was really wise. Was this the only time you met him? Um, or did you see him on occasion? I see him once in a while, yes. Yeah, this guy. So, I suppose, what, here you're looking for someone who's lonely. I'm lonely in a big city is what you're talking about, isn't it? Yes. And uh, I thought it was, you know, something, you know, when I was told to write, you know, 20 or 30 lines of iambic pentameter, you know, the night I did it, I was just straining, you know, racking my brains out to think of something, you know. And then, you know, I said, oh, forget it. I'll do it tomorrow morning. Maybe on the bus or something, you know. So now... <laughs> Um, so I got up the next morning, you know, and was thinking, wow, I'm going to have to do this on a bus. Well, why not do it just now, you know? And I was thinking the bus, you know? And after that, I said, well, I remember, you know, a while back about this old man. I put it together, and it came in, it fit in really well. Yeah. And that's how it came to be. Mm. See, somebody you might take for granted suddenly becomes the hero of your poem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. So we have... Hey. We have who? Laura Mariano. Laura. Mine's is entitled The Changed Boy. When he was born, his father departed, so that is where it really all started. He wasn't very tall, but he was husky. He had a great smile, but his English was rusty. With his dark wavy hair parted in the middle, he seemed so big and yet so little. He was also in a gang, so what else is new? It didn't make him tougher, only black and blue. Though he did get jumped several times, it wasn't enough to change his mind. He bought, sold, and took drugs every day. He didn't realize he was wasting away. If you met him, you'd say he was nice, for he always gave me good advice. Things have changed since I've seen him last. No more partying or having a blast. He got a girl in trouble, but little did he know that she was planning to let the baby go. By the time he found out, it was too late. The baby was dead and his sorrow was great. He changed himself in so many ways. To name them all, I couldn't even say. But there is one thing that I know for sure. He is trying his best to be a preacher. He lost something precious, and now he's in search of some kind of forgiveness that he found in the church. Oh, wait, stick with that for a minute. That's, uh, did you know this is, are these people you know? Somebody you know? Yeah. Yeah. And here you're talking about somebody who, there was trouble, right? Yeah. And then he, he's thinking of becoming a preacher? Well, what is it? Does uh, is is he feel guilty? Is that it? Or? Yeah, he feels, he feels bad because he, because his baby, you know, this girl that he got in trouble, she, she got an abortion and, the, and you know, he, he really wanted the baby and she didn't even ask him about it or anything. And so he figured, you know, this was his time to change and to start, you know, a new Life. How old were they about? He was, now he's 18. He's 18, but then it was about 16 or yes. so. She was about, about 15. Yeah, she's 15. Yeah. So we're talking also about, talking about the life in the community too, aren't you? Mm -hmm. See? Mm -hmm. You know, <coughs> what, you know, you know Canterbury Tales, a part of it, that mm -hmm. living in Canterbury. Did you see the connection here? He was writing about a certain other time. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was writing about, when, I don't know, I think they were gone. They were all going oh, to... pilgrimage, yeah. yeah. So. This is our own pilgrimage. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Thanks. Okay, Loretta Link. <coughs> Read next. <laughs> okay, mine is called The Gang Member. 
<laughs> Somebody, uh, well, I'll ask you about that later. Okay. Read it first. He stands on the corner in a world of his own. He's the king of his castle. He's earned his bloody throne. No robes of satin threads, just a two-toned sweater. But when he wears it down the street, even children know he's better. He's never heard of love or joy. His heart is closed, but he's just a boy. How did it start? Where will it end? He has plenty of company, but he doesn't have a friend. He's tough and suave, all the girls say cool. He keeps up his image, but he knows he's a fool. His real name is David, but that isn't known well. To the world at large, he's known as Little Hell. His parents are gone, they just split one day. He was left behind to survive, he had to find a way. He knows this is nowhere, he's not living his life. But his hand doesn't listen when it holds a gun or knife. His real name is David, but he says Little Hell with pride. He's only 16 and he feels nothing inside. What will happen to him as the years go by? If he doesn't change, he'll probably die. I wonder, when I think of him, why does he make me cry? I stick with this. This is very powerful stuff. Uh, start, how are you? This is just a boy I know. She told me to write a, a tale about someone we know. And I kept putting it off. You know, it was, I was one of the last ones to do it. It's, I just couldn't think of anything. And he's, I don't know, I just saw him one day walking down the street. I see him all the time, but I just thought I could write something about him because I understand him. He's a boy that I've gone to school with. He lives in my neighborhood, and I've known him all my life, and just every year he goes from bad to worse, and he just depresses me because I really like him. He's nice. He is. He's not a cruel person, but no one knows that, you know. He's just wasting his life. He's He's in prison right now, <laughs> after I wrote this already. You know, he's only 17, so. Loretta, you're talking about, I guess, the most important thing we can talk about today, the waste, aren't we? Yeah. Because you knew him, you've known him. All my life. <laughs> yeah? You saw him grow up, but you grew up with him. Mm-hmm. Since kindergarten. Was he a bright kid? Yeah, he really was. He was. Up until about sixth grade, he was really a good student and everything, and quiet. And, you know, he started smoking and stuff with the other boys, just growing up. It's natural, but he just got worse. He just, you know, like a metamorphosis in personality. He just changed. And he was really intelligent. He did well on tests and things. And they tried to interest him in going to school, and he just wouldn't go. He only went to eighth grade. and. He couldn't stand anyone telling him what to do, you know. Anybody yelled at him that was assaulting his dignity. And no teachers or anything were going to tell him what to do, so that's it. He also quit. has to do with macho, too, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, the idea of being <laughs> a, Definitely. A, a man. Right, proving he, himself. So we're talking about, that's a good study, awfully good. Did you, I know that you've read uh, Division Street. <laughs> I know you told me that. Do you remember a girl named Rose in it? The mm -hmm. end, Lily, Lily Lowell? Yeah. yeah. What'd you write the way she writes? <laughs> now he's the, you're talking about a, a guy, David, this guy we called, in a certain community. It's a middle class, blue collar community, right? Mm hmm. Talking about. And now he's, he, does he know that you wrote this poem? No. <laughs> no. He knows how I feel, though. You know, he talks to me. He's a friend of mine. He used to talk to me. He knows what I think about him. 
What does he say when you say that? He just did, um, did his friends accept him, and there his family and his own family is gone. And it's wrong what they do, but he knows that they would stick with him, and he needs yeah. somebody, so. So it's that image, isn't it? Thank you, Loretta. Okay. Okay, Biana. It's Vienna. No. It's Vienna. 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 No, Vienna. the B. Vienna. Yes. Vienna. Thank you. My poem is entitled "The Blind Man." He's a short, stout, middle-aged man, finding wrong with whatever he can. His eyes of blue shone stern and bright, never seeing what's wrong and what's right. His kids loved him, but long ago, for his love they will never know. His feelings he keeps hidden well, what he's up to no one can tell. His mood is always blank or stern, <clears throat> to live happily he will never learn. He knows not the feeling of shame, when something goes wrong he's not to blame. He says no one loves him or for him cares, but to try to explain to him no one dares. So he goes on living an unreal life, members of his family take it all in strife. But what can they do to a pitiful man? If he didn't learn by now, he never can. He will die miserably and people will cry. Yet I still love him, but I'll never know why. Again, I guess the question, somebody? Yes, it's somebody in my family. Oh, somebody in your family? Yes. Older, younger? As a matter of fact, he's my father. But you're talking about also family, uh misunderstanding too because yeah is that it? he he doesn't open up too much he he's very self-centered I I really don't know how to explain it to him any other way have you tried to does he know you wrote that no he doesn't oh he doesn't know you no. wrote that what do you think would happen if you uh, had read that to him um I don't know I'm away I'm afraid to show it to him um, I don't know if it would yield to a better side or to a worse side between us. So I just never showed it to him. Yeah, thank you very much. You, you know, I was thinking, Vienna, you can join the conversation. You wanted, we're talking about, uh, you said to write about somebody you know. We didn't realize how well they would do it and to what extent. Right, yeah, right. Somebody they know or somebody they'd seen. Yeah. I had no idea what they would come up Could with. Could be a stranger or someone, as in this mm -hmm. case, in the family, mm -hmm. see. I suppose one thing's to ask you is, well, I'll ask later, toward the end. Who, who's next? Okay, Kathy Andrews. Kathy Andrews. <clears throat> Life of a rock star. Always on the run, always running. Just got back from a tour. The people are still coming. I need some privacy, need some time to think. Have to slow down, but I know I can't. I'll do a few downers and down a few beers. The light's getting heavy, gotta get out of here. Have to go to practice, no time to rest. I have to meet the boys in the band. The guitars are tuned, the drums are set. Just one more thing, we need our fix. After practice, we did a few more beans and downed a few more beers. Gotta go now, gotta catch a plane in New York. We're off to the garden. Ten minutes till showtime, the crowd's going wild. I'm getting very jittery, my climax is over, I need another. I knew what I needed, it was easy to get. Just one snort and off I went. I'm ready to soar, it's gonna be a great show. It's time to go on, but something's gone wrong. 
The music's playing, the faces are confused, the lights are burning me away. I'm going down, I've been here before, but it's not quite the same. Get out while you can, but for me it's too late. It's my last journey, my very last trip. The party's over. Uh, do, do you, um, well, the obvious question, do you know anyone of them? Yes. I do, and I was sort of showing how it is to be a rock star. It's not, it's not great. It's not a lot of fun. I mean, you were around there. Right. I mean, groupie. I mean, you, you were around there, you know. I know someone yeah. that's been through this. And, and uh, you find this a pattern to some extent. Right? Yes, I do. It's incredible observation. Yeah, it's true. It could be any number of people we could name. Right, and, right. I know. What finally happens? He dies. He ODs. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, Mike. Uh, mine is the blacksmith. Uh, Chelsea is where I'm from, said he gladly. Working as a blacksmith, doing badly. The days are long, the work is very tough. People are few, but now are just, in, just enough. He came to Canterbury to save soul, not just his, but his friends on the whole. He came by horse, as had many others. They are joined as religious brothers. His need was for deep satisfaction, was to cover his angry reaction to the cost raise of the partner's help. It is necessary that he has help. He steals from friends every day on end. It is the rules of God, he does just bend. He steals not for his profit, but for his need. He steals for his family to feed. But stealing is still stealing in all the ways, but he must steal to live on all the days. Now, yours little, uh, the blacksmith, now you've sort of gone back to the other time, haven't yeah. you? See, all the others are people they know or things they see. Mm. But his mm -hmm. is, you're in Chaucer's time almost, yeah. aren't you? Why? Can I ask you a question? You know, all your friends, your classes, they have chose somebody they've seen or know very well or been around, you know. But why did you choose that time? Well, Is there nobody you...? Well, the, after reading the Canterbury Tales, I just, you know, had an idea of what I'd like to write from uh, things I could use, like bits and pieces of what he used. Ah. You see, he that, brings in the partner, too. We all love the partner. Oh, uh, the partner. So you were bringing in, you were sticking more literally to Canterbury yeah. Tales. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, Tracy? Tracy. Tracy what? Tracy, Tracy Tim. Tracy she Tim. has another blacksmith poem. Mine's also titled Blacksmith. The sounds of hammering echo through the sultry heat of the blacksmith's den as the labor seems endless and ever so tiring. He pauses momentarily to wipe the sweat from his brow before he continues his burdensome task. With hands callous and muscles bulging, he pounds with a systematic rhythm, ever so fluid and yet so strong. The ashes slowly come to rest upon his black scalp and broad shoulders. Brushing them off, he dismisses dreams of a better life, for he is wholly dedicated to his craft. So this is a study of the old-time craftsman, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, why do you, I'm curious to know why you and, and uh, Mike, um, Mike. Uh, took the blacksmith? Well, I picked it because I, like, I know how the, the work of a blacksmith, I know it's hard and you know, I can just picture it. Yeah. You saw the picture. You saw, yeah. you saw a painting, and you drew a painting. Mm -hmm. A good one, too. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Tracy also has uh, her two love poems. Oh, do you? Yeah. All right. Let's see. 
Now, the first one was a kind of a class assignment after reading Shakespeare. I asked them to write something about love. Oh, after that. one of the sonnets, you mean? Yeah. Love can shine as like the sun. Love can cry as like the rain. If love is true, may it never drown as a rose left in tears. But love has its blues as a clear sky may. But as true as love be, petals shall wilt. Okay, she has another one written later. Is love what it is? Never have I to feel like I do. Love, not in words, but in a feeling, a feeling like I. For this time is ours till time says goodbye. To feel is young just as time. As time should change, love may so. But time is ours, for I feel love. I feel you. Love is it. Love is you. Like your own sonnet. <laughs> Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the group. Mm -hmm. Now a little discussion. Anybody want to join in? You can. We'll just keep this free and easy. We, see, we, we've done it now. This, this is Canterbury Tales. And what's come out? How are you? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> we, sh we should introduce yeah, we Maxine McBride. Oh, of course. By the way, she's the teacher I've been teacher working training, with. The teacher right? of the class. Miss McBride, you want to join us here? Just for a comment about the class. I got that chair here, and and we'll have a little Can session here. Just on the idea of, uh, I think the idea of English. The idea. What you said right in the middle between Vivian and me. Let's be cut. Okay. Ms. McBride, and you and Viv uh, Vivian I work together. How would you describe your class? Um, unique, exciting. They are eight, they have a class at eight o'clock in the morning, which is not the most ideal time. But they come in. They come in every morning and they're excited. They they want to learn more, and they're just grasping. And Vivian and I kind of have the same philosophy that you must ask something of students, and if you do, they will produce because they love it if you just allow them to do it, and we've allowed them to do it, and it's just great. It's really been great. You know, you're hitting something that's one of the keys to what all the battle is about today. We're told again and again that students are apathetic and don't care. And you just said something, Ms. Bride, you and Vivian, that you expect something. That if something yes. is expected, you feel it'll come through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they will come through for you. And I, I expect that they will love the stuff. I love the Canterbury Tales, so I just went in there, you know, foolishly expecting that they would love it too. I love Shakespeare. I expect that they'll love it. I love to write. I expect that they will love to write, and they do. Yeah. But what is it? What did you do? They're laughing. I know, I know you like Mr. McBride and Vivian Cadbury very much. <laughs> you know, I was thinking of what is it that she does, or Miss McBride does, that makes you, Loretta? You you want to join in here, Percy? What is it? Oh, you want to come here for a second? <laughs> I thought of her because I know she, she, she'd uh, uh, spoke of the gang guy <laughs> or here. So what, what, what is it that they do, Vivina, that um, gets you, turns you just, on? They're both interested, you know, and they let you do what you want. You know, like some teachers, you're afraid you might offend them with what you do. You have to censor your things because some teachers are shocked. And they just, they talk to you. They treat you like, you know, you're a human being. You're not just an animal they're supposed to babysit all day with a bored look on their face. They're really, and Miss Cadbury, she's just so gung-ho, you know. <laughs> when she wants to do something, she does it. You know, it's amazing. She just, she gets things done. We just sit there and it's done. You know something, I think what Loretta's saying here, both Bright and, and uh, Cadbury, 
the idea that treat them as humans, but they don't have to sense. Uh, do teachers really? Do you have to worry about other teachers that might not like a certain word? You mean word that is used every day? My other teacher, not just a word, just ideas. Oh, what, know. for instance? For instance. Just in your own know, classes, like English and history and stuff. You know, it's supposed, I feel, that it should be liberal. You should be able to state your views, you know. And other teachers, they don't want this. They, they have their opinion, and that's what they want to teach you. What and you're considered a troublemaker if you differ in opinion. And this class is so open, you can just say whatever you want. By the way, that's interesting. You consider a troublemaker <laughs> if you say something that is not expected. Right. That's is my that experience. Often? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I suppose if we're talking about what is real education, aren't we? And that's, I suppose, respect for the student, the student respect, but also excitement. Now, Canterbury Tales, or that could be stuffy, couldn't it, a certain way? Very. <laughs> we didn't even understand it. The first time we read it, we didn't even know what was being said. And she, you know, we went over it line by line, and then we understood. Things then were the same as they are now. It's just different language. They were the same type of people. The more things change, the more they are the same. You know, it's been a very exciting adventure for me. Anybody want to say anything? No. Anybody? Sure, I do. All right, you do. Lisa. Oh. Lisa, what do you want to say? <laughs> well, for one thing, I think we have a couple of great teachers, and without them, we wouldn't have understood Macbeth, and I don't think we could have gotten into it without the both of them, one working under the other, and both of them working yeah. both over us. And I really think they're so a couple of fantastic teachers. So you couldn't have understood Macbeth, you say? Oh, really? Oh, wow. What was, is Macbeth? Well, Macbeth is a play, and it was written by uh, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about Macbeth, then? Um, well, see, the thing was, it was, it was written in Old English, and we couldn't understand it. And the way it was is we could not get into it. I mean, we couldn't understand the way it was written. Like like a book today, you could just pick it up and read it, but that wasn't the type of story we could read. And she got us all excited about it, and we started to understand it more, and she explained. We went through each act and explained everything out, and it was really neat. You know what? Yeah. yeah. What? you got to come up to the mic. Yeah. <laughs> You're all right. This is... Uh, Rob. This is Rob. Rob. Yeah. Rob. Well, I found that when we were reading it... <laughs> It's like you didn't understand it, but when she'd explain it to you, you wanted to find out what's happening next, and you wanted to keep on reading. She tried to read it yourself, and what you couldn't understand, you came next day to find out what, what you didn't understand. And you just wanted to find out more. Yeah. That's what it was me. Mac I couldn't wait to find out what happened. Well, what was Macbeth? What did you say Macbeth is about? It's a power struggle. A man wants power, and he's promised it, and he, he thinks he has to get it by himself. And so he's going to try everything he can to achieve this power. Does that remind you of today? Yeah. 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 So is that one of the things Canterbury Tales reminded you of today, as Loretta was saying, that people are like people today? Yeah. And so Macbeth, too, but I suppose like politicians today, or, or anybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anybody else have things to say? <laughs> well, no. say so we leave it to uh, Vivian Cadbury, Mrs. McBride, McBride. So any thoughts? I think you can see from just the way they act now that they are excited. They do think literature has something something to offer them. And uh, I think people just ought to stop knocking students and knocking teenagers and start listening to them. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> because we all, we always talk about the the leaders of tomorrow. Well, here are our leaders. They're not tomorrow. Not they're today. Like leaders, they, I'll tell you that much. They they live today as well as tomorrow. We can't expect them to grow up to be something if we don't put something into helping them get there. Vivian, any thoughts you have? Anything? Your, your experience, your experience teaching at, at Lane. Yeah. Um, perhaps your reflections. This this class has has taught me a lot. I would say. Um, one of the, one of the problems that I felt I would have was, you know, what kind of distance do you keep between yourself and the students? You know, how can you teach if you're if you're too close to them? But it it works. It works to be close to them. I love them all madly, and uh, it and it works. That that was the the most meaningful thing I'd say I got out of teaching. I found out I can go in there and be myself and love them all, and it doesn't interfere with the teaching, it, it makes it better. And they, they're much more willing to give and open out, they trust, fantastic. Trust, and I articulate. suppose. Okay. Trust, yes. Thank Something you like very much. you trust us, we'll trust you. Fair enough. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's a good session. Thank you. Grazie.